0: Now, I don't know how closely you follow the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Anybody in here big fans of MCU? Yeah, a few fans? Okay, all right. My wife and I are are big-time nerds, although compared to her, I'm like Thanos, who she's very, very into it, but anyway. We love, we love watching all those, you know, all the movies, the Avengers, Captain America, all that stuff. If you haven't been following, and it's okay if you haven't, there have been these different phases that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has gone through, and we are about, to, we are just now starting phase four. Phase four, uh, which kind of picks up on where the whole Avengers Infinity War saga left off. Of course, you all are familiar with that. That whole phase is getting into some really weird new stuff, and it's getting into stuff like the multiverse, this idea that there are many different universes that are next to one another and they're very similar but they're a little bit different and and you know sometimes one event in one universe is is going to alter everything and so these universes are going to start colliding and it doesn't matter you can nerd out with me if you want but here's what I like why I get excited about this because there are some really interesting ideas that come up when you think about what if? What if things were different in this universe or another? What if What if events played out a different way? Uh, in fact, one of the, the shows, an animated show that they're releasing as part of Phase 4, is a show called What If? And it's basically uh, looking at a bunch of different characters and asking like, what if Peggy Carter got the powers of Captain America instead of Steve Rogers? What if uh, T'Challa, as you all know, was, was instead a, actually like taken by Yandu and he became Star-Lord, right? Like what? That's crazy. So anyway, you don't have to, I'm just joking. You don't how to know those things. Anyway, the show is called What If and it asks a really interesting question. And that question, what if, it's a great way to think differently about some of the things that are important to us, familiar ideas, we look at them from a different angle. And so we're gonna do that with the Bible. We are gonna ask what if, uh, as a way to exercise our minds for these next few weeks and to, to grow in our faith, like we talked about last week, to, to deepen our roots into Jesus. So for example, we all know, you know we're, we're Christians, we all know that Jesus lived 2000 years ago. We all know that he taught his followers some stuff. We all know that he died, we all know that he rose again what if he didn't? How would our world be different today if Jesus wasn't in the picture? How would the world be different if, if he didn't live, if he didn't die, if he didn't rise again? That's what we're gonna talk about in this series. And my hope, my hope and my prayer is that this would not just be some kind of academic exercise. I really hope that this will be an opportunity for us to stretch our minds in a way that that helps us grow our faith to understand the meaning of Christ's life and death and resurrection better than we ever have before. And I hope, I pray that it changes us for the better. Okay, so today I wanna start with asking this kind of overall question for the whole series, which is, what if jesus never lived at all like what if he was never born what if there was no jesus how would our world uh, be different what changed because he came now to be clear i want to set something aside real quick because there is a whole conversation about uh what are some of the things that have happened in the world because of the followers of Jesus. Like some would argue that hospitals were invented because of Christians or that the monastic system kept knowledge alive in Europe through the dark ages. And of course other people would argue, yeah, but Christians were the ones who caused the crusades and and maybe because of the church, the dark ages lasted longer than they needed to or whatever, you know, so there's there's debates about that. And, And yes, all those things are technically true because Jesus lived, right? It was a consequence of him living and having followers and all of that. But but I don't want to speculate about alternative histories of, you know, Western culture. That's not what this is about. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is is what happened to the universe. What happened to, to all of creation, all of our world, because Jesus lived. How did his coming to earth alter the trajectory of humanity as a whole? And what would our situation be if he hadn't? So let's get to answering that. Uh, I want to look at a passage at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, where the Apostle John talks about, well, he puts, he puts the coming of Jesus into some pretty cosmic terms. So go ahead and turn with me to John 1, uh, and we're going to look at this, at this passage, and it's just going to be a few verses here. And uh, while you're doing that, I'll just say hello to anyone who's watching online. Hope you're doing really well. Hope it's a, a wonderful day. I spent all day yesterday outside... Uh, this is Saturday night so yesterday Friday my day off I spent the whole day out like sifting compost and life is good when you're able to do that in the sunshine so Uh, okay Who who doesn't love sifting compost right everybody loves it okay this is how John begins his gospel and again it's pretty cosmic what he says here he says in the beginning the word already existed the word was with God and the word was God He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Okay, so John is is doing something very intentional here. He is referencing the story of creation he starts with the words in the beginning where have we seen those words before at the beginning of genesis right the very beginning of the bible in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth if you remember in that creation story god speaks he says let there be light and, and let there be this and that and that, you know and it's his word that brings reality into being the word of god that's what john's talking about here the word of god as i talked about a few weeks ago it's a way of describing god's intentions for creation it's it's his will his his desires being realized when god's word is present god's will is accomplished and as john says in verse 4 it's his desire his word to give life to everything it's that same word that came into being as the person of jesus christ himself jesus was the word of god right so What John's doing here, he's starting the story of Jesus all the way back at the story of creation. What he's wanting us to do, I believe, in this opening to his letter, is he's wanting us to think in terms of the whole biblical story when we think about who Jesus is. Uh, he, He wants us to think of Jesus not just as this guy who showed up out of nowhere, but who came as a part of a much bigger story, a much bigger narrative. And what is that narrative? Well, put simply, God desires to bring life but humanity desires apparently to do the opposite i mean that's pretty much the whole story of the bible Uh, literally the first human child who's ever born uh, he ends up growing up to kill the second human child that's ever born right murder is like the first thing that happens and then and it only gets worse from there because we've got sin and death and brokenness and corruption and darkness humanity is, is just spreading this kind of stuff through creation like the plague page after page of this stuff it's like it's like we as, as humans, were trying to snuff out the light that God created. God said, let there be light, and we kind of said, nah, I'd rather do something else. And yet, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. This is so important. John says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This right here, this, this verse, I think this verse is the story of our world. This is the Bible in a nutshell. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Because because when you look through Scripture, what you see is that even though humans keep screwing everything up, they keep on rebelling, God keeps on giving us another chance and then another chance and then another chance. Now, there's one particular story in Exodus That probably captures this pattern better than than any other and and the reason i bring it up is because john actually references this story uh, just a little bit later which we'll get to but but let me tell you about this story in the book of exodus god rescues the israelites out of slavery in egypt right and then he takes them through the wilderness where the whole time he's telling them very simple things like hey do this, do this, it'll be fine. And then they do the exact opposite because I don't know, they're complete jerks. I don't know what the deal is. He takes them all the way to Mount Sinai and he makes a covenant with them. A covenant is another way of saying an an agreement. He makes an agreement with them. And then uh, Moses carves out these stone tablets and God writes the covenant into the stone on these tablets, okay? So that's great. There's this new agreement. and, And basically the covenant, basically God is saying, look, here is how you can have life and light Okay, this is how you can live the right way that's gonna bring life into our world. Don't kill anybody, don't steal, don't, uh, you know, don't worship idols. And yet, when you follow the story, what is the very first thing that the people of Israel do? The moment they get the law, they worship idols. They, they create a golden calf and they have this big celebration and they worship this, this golden calf. And so, I mean, how frustrating would that be if you were God, right? That you gave them like some very simple instructions and they do the exact opposite thing. And so Moses coming down the mountain with these, Two stone tablets with the covenant of God on them he sees them all worshiping this golden calf and what does he do he shatters these things he throws them onto the ground it breaks them into a bunch of pieces because the Israelites completely screwed up they they rebelled against the very simple instructions of God and so if I was God if you were God what would you do right you'd you'd blast them right you're like I'm done I can't these guys just they're too I got to go find some other family to be my representatives but that's not what happens is it that's not at all what God does no what does he do he gives them another chance he has Moses make two new stone tablets and then he gets to work and God writes the, the covenant on those two no, new stone tablets God reestablishes this this agreement with the people and then he says this he says this to explain why he would do this he says Yahweh the Lord Yahweh the Lord the God of compassion and mercy I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. That's why he gives him another chance, because he abounds with unfailing love. So this right here, this is the character of our God in a nutshell. Slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And by the way, this word, unfailing love, in Hebrew, it's this word chesed. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that entirely correctly, but it's a word that shows up all over the place in the Bible because it describes this core idea of God, that he is is full of unfailing love. His love just goes on and on. It doesn't ever fail. Yahweh, in other words, is the God of second chances. That's at his core. That's who he is. So the story of the Israelites, it begins with these stone tablets with them you know God giving them a second chance at Mount Sinai that's how it begins because God is the God of second chances so okay I know you're thinking where's it I thought we were talking about what if Jesus didn't live hold on we're, we're getting there let me let me talk about this what does this have to do with Jesus or our big question for the day what if he never lived how does this how does this apply well again like I said Jesus coming as a part of a much, much bigger story. So let's look at what the, what the rest of the story, uh, how it kind of develops. Uh, it, 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 that whole moment at Mount Sinai with the tablets and the gold calf, that thing, that story, that gets repeated over and over and over and over again throughout the rest of the Bible. Basically it goes like this. God offers light and life to the people Okay, very nice, and then in their sin, the people reject God's offer, and they experience the consequences of that rejection. They cut themselves off from God, and then all of a sudden, what, what, I don't have light and life anymore, and so they're all upset and miserable, but because of his unfailing love, because of his chesed, God gives the people, what, a second chance. He offers them light and life again. And so what do they do? They reject that. They reject it. They go off and they experience the consequences of that rejection. But guess what? He's a God of unfailing love. And so he gives the people another chance. You get what I'm saying here. It kind of continues and repeats. Rebellion, consequences, and and then second chance. And rebellion and consequences and second chance. And rebellion and, yeah, you get it over and over and over in big ways and small ways this story just repeats and repeats and repeats and as you look at the storyline it really starts to build it's almost like it's building to some kind of crescendo because it gets to the point where the people of israel they rebel and reject god's offer of light and life so much that they end up being swept off into exile as their consequences by the by the assyrians and by the babylonians and and they basically chose the darkness and, and then they experienced the consequences of that for hundreds of years. And here's the thing that's, that's interesting when you look at the storyline in, in scripture is that w- even when the exile is over, it's not really over. It doesn't really over. They come back to Israel, but, but the nation doesn't ever really recover. They're always under the thumb of a foreign power. They're always living in some form of darkness. It's like second chance rebellion, consequences, And that's kind of how the story ends. That's where we leave off at the end of the Old Testament. They're living in the consequences of rebellion. Now the New Testament, when you read that, it starts with the story of Jesus, the coming of Jesus. So let's imagine for a moment that there was no New Testament. Let's imagine that Jesus didn't show up. How would the world be different if Jesus never lived? Well, if Jesus never lived, then that pattern that we talked about, that cycle of God's faithfulness, of the second chances that pattern would have ended. We would still, today, 2,000 years later, we'd still be living in the consequences of rebellion. It would have become clear to all of us that, that the unfailing love of God did ultimately have a limit, right? That, it, that he eventually got too fed up because that cycle didn't continue, that, that, that uh, pattern didn't repeat. If Jesus never lived, Then all the words of Israel's prophets, uh, that's kind of the whole last bit of the Old Testament, these prophets who constantly were saying that there is an ultimate second chance that's coming. God is going to offer another second chance to the people. Those words, they would have just, they would have been proved to be hollow. If Jesus never lived, then that would have been the end of the story. And God's unfailing love would have failed. But, Jesus did live didn't he? Jesus did live. He came to this earth not just as a representative of God's unfailing love, but as as our God of love himself walking among us. The very word and and intentions of God made real. Look at how John describes the coming of Jesus to our world. Look at this in verse 14. Look what he says. He says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of what? Unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And then skip down to verse 16. He says, From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us he's revealed god to us now okay it's not explicit, so you probably don't see the direct connection, but John is specifically talking about Exodus 32 and Exodus 34 here, okay? Again, you don't see it at first glance, but he's quoting what God said after that whole golden calf incident. He's referencing the law. He's referencing the tabernacle, the glory of God. It's all there, and he's quoting specifically what God said about himself in Exodus 34. What John is doing here is, he is he's layering that story and the story of Jesus on top of one another. And he's, he's implying that that moment on Mount Sinai where Moses and the Israel, gave Israel, the Israelites a second chance, the new, new stone tablets and all that, he's saying that that moment, it's happened again. But this time, this second chance is, is on a cosmic scale, right? This is the second chance that comes directly from the word that helped create this entire universe. It's like this part of of John's gospel is like him saying this. He's like, he's saying, look, remember when the law was given uh, through Moses? Remember that whole golden calf episode when the Israelites experienced God's unfailing love, his chesed and his faithfulness, and they got a second chance? Remember that? Remember that? Well, it happened again. God's faithfulness has come again, this time through Jesus Christ, the word of God personified. He is the ultimate second chance that we've been waiting for. When we look at Jesus, we are seeing the the unfailing love of God with our own two eyes. Through Jesus, God brought light and life, not just to the Israelites, but to the entire world. And not just to continue that whole pattern for one more go-round, right? No, he did it to break that cycle for good so that the pattern doesn't have to repeat. God's unfailing love has won the day. Yahweh is the God of second chances, right? Well, Jesus is his ultimate act of unfailing love. That's what we see when we know Jesus is here. And and because of Jesus, and this is the thing I love the most, because of Jesus, that unfailing love now extends to you and to me and to everyone around us. The unfailing love of God has proved true because Jesus lived. And I'm really grateful for that. Because guess what? I feel a little bit too much like I'm one of those Israelites, right? I, I, I've rebelled against God's intentions for my life, for the world. I, I've I've acted selfishly. I've sinned. I've I've hurt the people I love. You have too. We all have. But because Jesus lived, that does not have to be the end of our story. We get a second chance because of Him. So okay. I hope that that helps at least a little bit when you think about what this world would look like if Jesus didn't come. And I hope that it gives you a little bit of encouragement thinking about the fact that he did. This is one of those kind of big picture things to think about as we imagine why Jesus is here and what his life did for us and we're going to get into some more specifics about uh, his teaching about what what exactly happened on the cross and what exactly happened when he rose from the grave how did it change our world so we'll get into that for now though with this very big picture cosmic view of the coming of Jesus I want to I just want to speak directly to three types of people who are undoubtedly here as a part of Grace Church or watching online, okay? I want to talk to three of you guys or at Fishers. I forgot to greet you, Fishers. Did I forget? No, okay. Fishers, I love you guys. Sorry, I forgot to greet you earlier. I was just thinking online. So I'm going to talk to some people who are probably there, probably online, probably in this room. Three groups of people. The first group of people that I want to talk to are those of you like me who have been Christians for an awful long time. You know, you've been, you've been following Jesus for most of your life or for many, many years and you know what? You've heard the stories. You've heard the sermons. You've, you've, you've done all the Bible studies. You're pretty familiar with all this stuff. And look, if we're honest, sometimes this faith stuff can lose a little bit of its luster. You know, we can get a little tired. We can get kind of used to some of the same old stories, the same old stories. We can fall into a routine. We can take it all for granted, right? We can do that. So if that's you, I hope that you'll take some time to, to really reflect On the absolute ridiculousness of God's unfailing love and faithfulness. I know it's a familiar phrase. I know we have heard it a lot. But let's just take a second and think about that. The wildly impractical nature of God's grace. We don't deserve uh, the love of God. We don't deserve a God with unfailing love. And yet he pours his love out on us, what? Again and again and again and again. He is the God of second chances. Let's not get too comfortable and familiar with that idea because it really is wild. So I'm going to invite you, if you have been a Christian for a long time, especially if you're in a place where your faith is feeling a little dull, I hope that this series will help you to try to imagine a world where Jesus never lived or never died or whatever. And I hope that by imagining what if, it'll start to drive you to a renewed sense of gratitude and awe that we live in a world where he did So that's the first group of people if you've been Christians for a long time. Second, I want to talk to those of you who have really yet to take the plunge in in following Jesus or maybe those of you who are Christians but it's, it's really not that big of a deal in your life right now, okay? If that's you, I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm just going to shoot straight with you. If Jesus is not calling the shots in your life, then something else is and that's something hate to break it to you, is not you. It's not you. To use a a metaphor that I stole from the the theologian N.T. Wright, and I'm sure I'll talk about this in a couple weeks when we talk about the the death of Jesus, but it's as if humanity has built this this dark, impenetrable prison for ourselves. We've given power to jailers that are keeping us locked up jailers like greed like uh lust like violence like addictions like brokenness and and these jailers they keep us locked up they keep us inside right so you can imagine that imagine that we are enslaved to these jailers we do what they tell us to do i mean why else do you think we spend so much of our lives scrambling to be liked or scrambling to be wealthy or powerful or influential or comfortable or entertained, right? We, we, we do it all and again and again because our jailers tell us to. We spin our wheels all day long and yet we're never satisfied. We never get there. You know how much money you need to be happy? More, right? The jailers are going to keep us spinning our wheels. In this prison, all we end up doing is we dig ourselves deeper and deeper into the darkness and we end up hurting all the people we love. I know, I know you know this because you experience it and I experience it too, but... But something changed forever when Jesus came. You see, Jesus has offered us freedom from this prison. He's given us a way out. On the cross, he overpowered these jailers, right? He knocked them out. He took the keys. He he, he got rid of the power of these jailers over us. And by rising from the dead, he basically ripped the door of the jail right off its hinges, the door is, is off its hinges, it's gone. And so now, guess what's happening? The light can shine into the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The truth about this prison is that now, thanks to Jesus, you can walk right on out. You can walk straight through that door, there's nothing stopping you. You can leave your chains behind, you can, you can walk out into the light, into freedom, You can start to to live the life that God intended for you. A life of peace, a life of, of abundance, a life of joy, a life of harmony with others. That's the kind of life that God wants you to have. The promise of an eternity spent in new creation with him where there is no darkness at all. That is what Jesus has offered you. So why would you stay in the dungeon? Why would you stay in the darkness? The door is open. Why are you still obeying uh, these jailers, slaving away for the jailers of wealth and sex and, and addiction and pride? They have been defeated. It's over. They're done. The door is open. All you have to do is walk. But you've got to walk. And that's what I want you to hear today. Look, if Jesus never lived, then I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't blame you do your thing wallow in the darkness try to be the king or the queen of your own universe it's what everybody else is doing so so sure do that but if Jesus did live if he lived then that door is off its hinges and you can be free so I'm encouraging you this as your pastor take your faith seriously don't make it like a secondary thing about yourself give your life actually give your whole life to following Jesus leave this jail behind if you do then you are going to experience what I've experienced what what Christ followers throughout history have experienced what what John himself has experienced what he says in verse 16 you will experience one gracious blessing after another grace upon grace upon grace upon grace that is what's in store for you if you walk out that door you can be free but you've got to walk into the light so take that step. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. Don't just call yourself a Christian. Give your life to Jesus, and watch as His unfailing love and faithfulness transforms you and the lives of those around you. Finally, I know there are some of you because you've told me, who are following Jesus, uh, but you, you've got some hang-ups. You, you want God to call the shots in your life, right? But, but you, keep on, you keep on messing up or you, you keep going back to the prison or you, you doubt your salvation, right? I know that's you because you, you've told me that. I've had people uh, weeping, talking to me about how they just don't feel like they measure up. Maybe it's a sin pattern that, they fall, that you, you fall back into. Maybe it's an addiction that you can't shake or maybe, maybe it's something awful that you did years ago, but it still haunts you and it keeps you from, from, from moving forward. If that's you, I imagine there are times that, that despite all this talk about the unfailing love of God that you feel like you've somehow lost that privilege, right? You, you just think, oh, this isn't for me. You worry, you, you agonize, you despair. God can't love me. I'm too fill in the blank. If that's you, can I remind you of something true? The love of God is not Conditional the love of God is not conditional it is unfailing love sure if you mess up yes you gotta you gotta change the direction you're moving you gotta you know what's the the way that my dad always talked about repentance you know you're moving in one direction you stop and you turn around and start walking the other way Yeah, you gotta do that right when you mess up and that's okay do that but here's what I want you to hear when you do that when you turn around and start walking back to God guess what posture he has He's waiting for you with open arms every single time. Every single time. There is not going to be a day that you turn around and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm coming back to you where he says, well, you blew it. He's not gonna do that. Do you know how I know that? Because Jesus lived and he is the proof of God's unfailing love. It's unfailing and it's unfailing for you. Jesus did live. He did reveal the un, unfailing love of God for you. And I'm sorry, but there is nothing that you can do that's gonna change that. It's a fact. Or the way the Apostle Paul puts it, and I love this passage. I, I, I quote it all the time. I'm convinced that there is nothing that can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. No, not even the powers of a hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So look, don't believe the lies in your head. Don't believe the lies. God loves you and Jesus proves it. The light shines in the darkness, even your darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it.